Okay, now we're going to turn to God's Word, and we are making our way through God's Word in the book of Jonah. This week, we're going to be looking at verses 11 through 17 of Jonah chapter 1. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so the sailors asked Jonah, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land. But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So tomorrow is the 40th anniversary of the Mount St. Helens explosion. And I was doing a little bit of research about that this, uh, this week, and I found a story of a young couple who was camping, you know, too close to the mountain. Uh, Venus Durgan and Roald Wrighton. They were about 30 miles from Mount St. Helens that morning. And they were awoken by the sound of an alarm. You know, they were still in their tent. The, uh, an alarm in the town of, of Tootle was going off. And that, that um, woke them up. They threw their tent, you know, pegs and everything. They just threw it in their car. But it was too late. The, the car was, was swept up um, by the, I think it's called lahar. That's my new vocab word this week. Lahar is like when the mud and the lava comes down into the river and it makes this, it makes the river room temperature. So they, you know, they didn't get burned, but, the, but they were in serious, serious trouble. And they are sitting on the roof of their car as it's being swept down, you know, this river that has expanded, this mudslide, this huge amount of uh, materials. And they were actually, they were on the roof of their car for a little bit, but then they were thrown into the river. And he was on a, a log floating in the river, but she was actually in the river. And he, at one point, he was able to grasp her and, you know, kind of at his own, at his own risk, just jumping, grasping for her, and was able to, able to pull her up on a log. And they floated another mile down the river before they could get to, you know, someplace that was safe, get to basically the, the bed of this river. And the, the newspaper is interviewing her, you know, 40 years later, and she said there was only three things involved in us surviving the eruption of Mount St. Helens. Luck, the will to live, and the grace of God. 
And for, for all the romantics like me out there wondering if they, you know, they got married after this and they lived happily ever after, no, they didn't. They broke up. But you know, they do still keep in touch because she feels like Roald, you know, he saved my life. And so they always just kind of kept in touch. But he, he really did. He sacrificed himself. He risked his own life to, to save his girlfriend. He, he lunged for her in the river and brought her back to safety onto this log. And they were able to, you know, one of the few people that survived it from that close up. They, survol- they survived a volcano. They survived the eruption of Mount St. Helens. They lived to tell about it. And that, what, what Roald did in risking himself and in putting himself out there, that reminded me of, of what Jonah did in saying, you know what, we're all going to perish here, but I, if you throw me into the water, then, then you'll be saved. And so we're going to look at that sacrifice. We're going to look at what it means to, to take the spotlight off of ourselves and to think of other people, to not be you know, so, uh, self-centered and selfish, but uh, to really lay down our lives for other people. We're going to look at how Jonah did that. We're going to look at how we can do that. And then we're going to look at how Jesus empowers us to do that. How Jonah did it, how we can do it today, and how Jesus empowered us. I think what we're going to find out this morning as we go through this passage and as we see all this is, you know, it's true what Jesus said in John 15, that greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. That is love. When you sacrifice your time, your money, um, you know, when you give of yourself, you, you must really love someone to do that. And that, that's what we see. That's what we see. So, let's take a look at, uh, at this text, starting at verse 11. The, if you remember, the, the sailors are wondering what to do next. I mean, they're in the middle of this massive storm that they've never seen before. And they, they don't know what to do. And they, they, they ask Jonah. I mean, obviously, the lots fall into him. He claims it. He says, it's because of me that this is going on. And they, and they say, well, what, what do you want us to do? How can we calm this sea? How can we survive this? And Jonah says, you know, pick me up. Hurl me into the sea. And then, then it's going to be calm. And he, he offers himself up because he's actually scared for them otherwise. You know, if this continues, he's going to die and they're going to die because God has brought this storm. And so he puts them first. He says, you know what? I, I have to take responsibility for this. And what was going through his mind at this point I mean, scholars don't even know. There's a lot of debate around it. Did he want to die? I mean, what happens when you throw a man overboard in a storm? Usually only, only one thing. Did Jonah know what, what would happen? And actually, if you'll notice, in verse 13, the sailors, they didn't listen to him at first. They, they wanted to be able to save him. And they keep rowing harder, and they keep trying to get to land, but it doesn't work. And so eventually, you know, they see that Jonah was right. And even before they throw him into the ocean, 
they cry out to Yahweh again. They cry out to, to Jonah's God, but he's really become their God. They cry out to Yahweh and they say, they pray. You know, they, they ask for, um, to be saved. <laughs> they say, yeah, don't, don't let us die for innocent blood. Um, and then they throw him overboard. And it's, again, it's, it's incredible to see that these formerly pagan sailors, that they are crying out to Yahweh and that they worship him. They make sacrifices to him because they're the ones, they know that he's the one that saved them. And it's, it's interesting to note that this wasn't like a foxhole conversion you know, that would have been five minutes ago when they were in the storm, but the storm has calmed down and, and it's over with. And, you know, they're kind, of, they're kind of safe. But they still cry out to God. They still worship him. They still make these sacrifices to him. A lot of people turn to God in, in a crisis. You know, they have these foxhole conversions. But then... Maybe they're cured from, from cancer or another terrible disease and they kind of just go on with their life and they forget about God. That's not what was happening here. The sailors don't do that. They, they, they sacrifice things that are valuable to them. So Jonah is you know, sacrificing himself, is saying, hey, throw me into the water. And then they sacrifice things that are valuable to them. So Jonah sacrifices himself and it leads to this belief for them, this change in their life, this introduction to Yahweh. But then what does that mean for, for us today? How can we live in a sacrificial way? How can we live in a selfless way? How can we live so that we're not you know, in our own heads all the time and we're not caught up in all of our own stuff? What what we need in the world are more selfless people, more people that think of others first and, and give and serve. Uh, I have been teaching my son, you know, the golden rule. We had a conversation about that this week. Um, you know, do unto others as you'd have them do to you. You know, if you don't want to be hit, then don't hit other people. And that's, that's we need more people that live like that, that live out the golden rule, that think of other people first and what their needs might be. We need people like Ravi Zacharias, this Christian evangelist uh, that has been working in the kingdom for, for so long. He tells a story a conversation that he had with one of the founders of Hamas, this, uh, this violent organization. He was with a group of other Christian leaders and they were meeting with them, with Hamas, trying to work out terms of peace. And he had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with one of the founders and he, they talked about how, you know, 5,000 years ago, really close to where they were meeting, Abraham took Isaac up on a mountain and sac he was there to sacrifice Isaac. And at the very last minute, God stopped it. And God said, I will provide the sacrifice. I will provide the ram. 
And then, of course, as, as Christians, we believe that 2,000 years ago, God kept that promise. And Ravi Zacharias is telling this, this Muslim leader that, and that, you know, that God gave his own son, and the acts didn't stop that time, but that Jesus was sacrificed. And he said to him, unless you and I receive the son that God provided, we'll be offering our own sons on the battlefield of this world for land, for power, and for pride. The, the sacrifice of Christ puts an end to these grabs for power and this pride. It makes us want to give ourselves away. Not, you know, not for what we can get or not for what somebody will owe us down the line, but, but what we can give. And that's, that's a story of, of sacrifice. That's a story of speaking truth. But Ravi has also lived that out in his life. You know, it's not easy to be an evangelist these days, to talk about Christ as, as the way and the truth and the life, to, uh, to have um, philosophical backing and understanding of, of why Christ. And it, it seems like he has, he has cancer, he stopped treatment for that, and it seems like God is calling him home at the age of 74, but he's lived this amazing life of, of sacrifice, of surrender to God. A lot of, uh, a lot of people who, who raise children, adopt children, foster children, um, we know what it's like to, uh, to sacrifice because when, you, when, you're, when you're raising children, you know, you have to talk and talk and talk so that kids can develop their language skills so that they can learn and grow. You have to spend an incredible amount of time with your kids because their well-being is, is wrapped up in that. And, and it's clear when, you know, when you become a parent, you know, that it's 18 years of of putting their needs above, above your own. And it's this, this sacrifice. You know, every single day, nearly every single minute, unless you can get them to bed before you. That's, those are the good days. But at the end of it all, I'm sure that, um, you know, that we can look and say, all of that sacrifice, all that time was worth it because, you know, if you put them first, eventually they grow up. They become adults, and they live selflessly for other people, whether that's teaching, giving, raising their own family, those sorts of things. But it must be such a joy to see those values passed on, just selflessness and, and, and giving. But, you know, taking ourselves out of the driver's seat and living selflessly, that's not, that's not easy. That doesn't come naturally to any of us. We're pretty prone to get caught up with our own wants and desires. So we look to Jesus. We look to the sacrifice that he made. We look to the life that he lived. That's where we get the power to live, you know, not for ourselves, but to live for God and to live to serve There are all kinds of clues in the Old Testament that, that point to Jesus. And this Jonah passage is, is one of them. Jonah is a signpost that points to Christ. 
Jonah, who was willing to sacrifice himself, Christ goes, goes even further. The, the sailors talk about the innocent blood in verse 15. What a pointer to Christ, who lived a sinless life, who was sacrificed for, for us, for all who believe. And yet, you know, think about these sailors. You know, their lives are at stake. They're, they're crying out. And the problem is solved when Jonah is thrown in. But imagine that the boat represents all of humanity. You know, who is going to save us? 1 Peter 2 says, Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you've been healed. By his wounds you've been healed. Jesus becomes our substitute. And he saves everyone in that boat. Everyone in that boat who, who believes comes to know Christ and sees the sacrifice that he makes on our behalf. And that's, you know, that's grace. That's the ultimate sacrifice. I, I've told this story before at, at Park Lane, but uh, when, when my son was just 16 months old and he was just learning to walk, we, we went to a New Year's Day party. And it was in a beautiful home on the Columbia River, on the, the Vancouver side, and they're family friends of ours, and they have a, they have a beautiful Steinway piano, just like, like we have here. And, and I saw it, I came in, and I was you know, sort of supposed to be watching Silas, but I saw that beautiful piano, and I just wanted to sit down and play it. And uh, I was, I was in, in my own world. I was being selfish. I was doing my own thing. And about a minute later, I heard a gigantic crash. Silas had pulled over a glass Tiffany lamp. And the entire party, there was about 100 people there, just gasped and, and just went silent. Because <gasps> the sound of that glass. I mean, I felt, I felt absolutely horrible. <laughs> um, I knew it was my fault. I knew I had messed it up. And that, you know, that somebody was going to have to pay for that lamp. And, you know, the son, the son who's about my age, he came over to me and he said, well, you know, my grandparents went to China about 80 years ago and brought back a lot of really priceless furniture. At least it's not that stuff. So that made me feel, you know, a lot better. But this, this family, they, they paid the price. They didn't pass it along to me. They took it upon themselves they paid it themselves, and that is a very Christ-like thing to do. Um, forgiveness isn't free. It costs something. You know, it costs us revenge when we, don't, when we don't repay somebody or we don't, you know, strike back, when we turn the other cheek, and yet that's the sacrifice that Jesus made. And if, if you are a follower of Christ, it's what the Spirit is, is calling you to do to live like him, to live selflessly, to forgive, to let go of those burdens. And we have that, we have that opportunity today. Um, I want to just close with this. Jesus said, when they asked him for a sign, he said, the only sign I'm going to give you 
is the sign of Jonah. Matthew 12, he says, For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Jesus is talking about his death, his resurrection, and the people of Nineveh, we're going to see in the coming weeks that when Jonah preached to them, they, they repented. And they didn't even know about Jesus yet. They didn't even know that God would come in the flesh and lay down his life for them. And they repented. So the invitation this morning is to do the same thing that they did, to look at the sacrifice of Jesus, to see all that he did. If we ever doubt how much he loves us, we just have to look at the cross, to look at what he's done and to to turn away from our old life, from the anger, from the bitterness, from the envy, from the pride, to turn away from all those things and to believe, to trust that Jesus is enough, to walk in his ways, to trust that he's the one that's gonna save us from the storm we're in now from any storm that we're in, that we're not going to put our ultimate hope in anything else, but we're going to trust in Jesus. We're going to believe in him. And then we get to swim in this ocean of grace and live the forgiveness life and walk in his ways. That's, That's what Jesus promises to all who believe. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you that you have shown us the way of selflessness. You've shown us the way of love. You've shown us how to think of others before we think of ourselves. Jesus, what an incredible challenge. And yet we know that you've promised to never leave us or forsake us, that you can work through us, and that you give us grace when we stumble. Lord, this week may we take small steps to think of others first, to bless others, to not get so caught up in our needs and our wants, what we think that that we deserve, but to trust in you and to live for your glory. We ask this all in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.